beautiful Hollywood. Beautiful. Welcome to it. This is Beautiful Hollywood, sharing the stories of how those with a dream make it happen. My name is Melanie Camp and we are live in the studio at LA Talk Radio. Now from celebrity clients to campaigns for Peter and Old Navy to editorials, for people and nylon magazines, Aaron Barry has 12 years experience in makeup and 15 in hair, but it wasn't always red carpets and Hollywood glam for this Hollywood makeup artist. Aaron grew up in Ireland struggling against gay stereotypes and having no idea what he wanted to do with his life. Once he found his passion, everything he overcame as a young man with a dream helped him shape him into the man that he is today with a plan. How did Aaron get to Hollywood? What keeps him going in such a competitive industry? And uh, we're also going to chat about how a recent tragedy in his life helped him grow even further. Welcome to Beautiful Hollywood. Hello, how's it going? Aaron Barry. (laughs) What an intro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what most people say, you know. I love it. When they get to hear all about themselves, like throwing back at themselves. And it's like, oh yeah, I did do some stuff. I know. Now I feel like, wow, I've come far. I've come so far. (laughs) The sides of the mountain seem so far away. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how um, sometimes you do have to take stock, don't you? You have to actually sit down. Or maybe come to beautiful Hollywood and have someone tell you everything that you've accomplished over the last 15 years. We don't often take that moment to look back on our life. Yeah, and see I think, I think um, in, you know, just living in Los Angeles, I think it's, it's very important to reflect. Like I was on the phone to a friend of mine the other night. He is an amazing hairstylist and I look up to him so much. And he said to me, wow, you achieved so much in 2018. And I'm like, did I? did I do anything? (laughs) He's like, no, my God, you did this, this and this. And I was like, oh, wow, I guess I did. Okay, I can be happy. 2018 was a good year. Yeah, it was. What were some big highlights for you for 2018? Um, 2018, I I guess the start of the year, I thought, oh, am I going to be busy? Oh, the biggest work-wise? Okay, I'll finish this off. Work-wise, turned out to be a great year, 2018 towards the end of the year. But then... um, the biggest thing for me was actually personally I became a citizen in LA. Oh my gosh, congratulations. Thank you so much. Um that is really like kind of a big deal. Yeah. I mean, how do you think? Let's let's take it back. I mean, you're from Ireland. Mm-hmm. You grew up in a small town in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, County Cork. <laughs> and um you how on earth did you get to Los Angeles? Um well, long story short, uh, I started um, doing hair. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life the whole way through school. I had no dreams or ambitions. Um, very poor career guidance on uh, the Irish education part. Um, and I ended up moving to Dublin. I was in a relationship with someone who was doing ha- hairstyling. So I thought, oh, that's what I'm going to do. So I fell into it and um, that brought me uh into the realm of like working with celebrities doing different photo shoots and stuff and unfortunately that relationship that I was in went to skew and I went to see a psychic and uh she kind of told me I was going to travel and do all these things and that's how it happened it's a crazy story yeah oh my gosh so you did actually listen to the psychic and you went hey I, I might I might branch out and go and check out the world yes and she said oh you're going to go traveling and uh you're going to go to Amsterdam is what she told me and she said when you're in Amsterdam you're going to meet someone walking down the street and they're just going to set you up for the rest of your life really and I was like okay so I thought nothing of it went to Amsterdam was walking down the street this group of guys asked me for directions and I was like oh I'm not a local at all and it turned out that one of them was LA-based hairstylist and he 
he basically said, oh, you're a hairstylist as well. You should come over and you should intern with me. You should work with me. And, and that's, that's what how you it did. happened. Yeah. Oh, my One thing led gosh. to another. Thank you, the psychic in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you decide to go to Ireland because, I mean, Ireland, did you decide to go to Amsterdam because of what the psychic had said? No, I had, I had actually booked it, I want to say, two weeks beforehand at the time. You know, when you're going through a breakup, you're like, yeah. what am I going to do? Um, just to kind of clear your head and just treat yourself, basically. And yeah, and, I think that is an important thing uh-huh. when you're going through a painful moment uh-huh. to like treat yourself you know, to mm-hmm. help kind of remember who's important in the mix. And just say, okay, I'm going to give myself a trip. I'm going to wind down. And Amsterdam was going to be the weekend away for me. And uh, funnily enough, she I, she plucked it out of obscurity. I had no... You'd already booked the ticket. I had already booked the ticket. And when I sat down with her, she told me, you're going to Amsterdam and the person you meet over there is going to set you up for the rest of your life. And I was like, wow, Okay. Which they they kind of did. I mean, it did. I mean, it. You know, in it, 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 of course, it was an amazing opportunity that you're forever grateful for. Mm-hmm. But that really, well, that friendship and that working relationship ended up evolving to a point where you guys don't work together it anymore. Did I mean that guy? I won't mention any names, but that guy was um, amazing. Like, still, he's working as a hairstylist. He's based in New York now. Um, someone who I really look up to, even to this day. But unfortunately, he had his own demons. When I came over here the second time, I want to say, actually, the first time I came over here, um, I was only here for two weeks. And um, after a long day on set, we went out for a night out. And being as naive as I was back then, this is 10 years ago, we went to a bar in Silver Lake and he left me at a bar. And at that time, I used to drink as well. We, uh, I was after having a few drinks and looked around. He was nowhere to be seen. And I was like, oh, my God, where am I? Where is Silver Lake? (laughs) So um, I ended up actually that night sitting down to someone who's still a really close friend of mine, um, who's a wardrobe stylist. And um, they, uh, my wardrobe stylist friend, she took me down to Malibu for uh, two days. You met her that night? That night. I went in the car with her as a stranger that night down to Malibu and spent two days down in Malibu. And from then on, we just stayed in contact. And the next time I came over, she set me up with her red carpet clients um, that I would do hair and makeup for. And when I would come back to Ireland, um, she would hit me up with emails and going, oh, that person requested you and that person wants to work with you again. When will you be coming back? So I want to say after maybe the third or fourth trip that I came over to Los Angeles, um, she basically said to me, uh, "If I think you should move here. And at that time, I was like, hmm. I think I'm going to buy a house and adopt a child in Ireland. I don't know if I if, if that's on the cards for me. And then I just woke up one morning and thought, wow, am I really going to stay in Ireland for the rest of my life? Mm. And that's when I decided, OK, I'll move over to Los Angeles and get the, the ball in motion, as they say, and ended up coming over here. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that makes it sound relatively easy. But anyone who lives, you know, overseas and wants to get to America or mm-hmm. wants to get to London or wants to get to, I don't know, Sydney mm-hmm. to follow their dream mm-hmm. career. It's not always the easiest thing to change countries. And also there's a lot of obstacles. There's visas and there's immigration issues. And then there's how much money do you have? And like you said, you were coming back and forth. Mm-hmm. I think particularly people who are trying to make it in Los Angeles they come over and then they're, 
they're here and it's more expensive and it takes longer than they think and they are reluctant to turn around and go back home again and regroup and yeah, come back out I and mean, try again. Honestly, for me, I think my story, when I mention, you know, how I got here and stuff, people ask me straight away, how, you know, how did it work out and what visa were you on and, you know, what route did you go down to become a citizen? And honestly, I have to say it's it's just one of these things where for me, it definitely was the luck of the Irish. Yeah. You know, like everything just fell into place for me. I would love to say that it was super easy, um, in, but it, it took financially, it took every penny that I'd saved to move over here. Yeah. Um, and there was for the first two years I moved here, I've been here full time six years uh, for the first two years. I wasn't getting any paid work. I used I, I literally run it or I burnt my entire life savings, um, $50,000 within two years. You know, I was wow. living on nothing um, and coming from a place where I had been earning great money since the age of 18. Um, I could afford anything that I wanted go on any trips that I wanted to go on. It was something that was very hard for me to come to terms with that I would have to, you know, have not not the luxuries that I was used to. Like even a coffee, I remember six years ago, I go, can I get a Starbucks today? And I think that's what people don't take into account. You know, you kind of have to be very... Um, what is the word I'm looking for, Mel? Be frugal. frugal. And, real, yes. and I think also realistic. Yeah. Like you have to, it, it is going to take time. You need to, you can't just sort of lob on a wing and a prayer. And a lot of people come over here and they just think, oh, I'm on vacation. They go into vacation mode. And honestly, you just have to move to LA and you have to hit the ground running. You have to go out every night. You have to socialize. You have to meet people. And after that two year, uh, two year mark for me personally, like I had my own apartment, I was learning how to drive over here. I, um, you know, I had a core group of friends and I think that's so important. The first, the first two years you have to weed out the bad eggs mm-hmm. and then you find your group. Right. Uh-huh. Actually that, when I moved from Perth in Western Australia to Sydney, Australia, I remember I left Sydney just before the two, two year mark and mm-hmm. I had an opportunity to come to Los Angeles. So I took it. And I remember a really good friend of mine in Sydney said, oh, it's such a shame that you're leaving now because nothing really happens before two years, mm-hmm. which was interesting because literally months before I moved to Los Angeles, I started working at one of the biggest radio stations today, FM in Sydney, mm-hmm. doing a weekend morning shift, which mm-hmm. was the beginning of like really good opportunity and um, had just started making contacts, some better television contacts. I was doing hosting, but working internally doing TV for a bank. So it was quite interesting to see the build up over like leading up to that two-year point and I never forget my friend saying you know it's that two it's that kind of magic two-year mark you have to be able to stick it out and I think a lot of people come to Los Angeles thinking six months you know just they give themselves six months three months probably not even a year but I think you want to like you said you had fifty thousand dollars saved you probably didn't think you were going to burn through it all but you needed to have that like two years oh my gosh like money does not last over here like I always say to everyone even to this day you can be earning the most amount of money, but LA is an expensive place to live. Mm. And every time I every time I get a big paycheck, I'm like, oh, wow, oh my god, this is great. I'm sure it's gone the next the next month. You know, <laughs> you still have to pay your bills, you still have to pay rent. Um, so I think when you do move here, 
yes, you kind of ha- you kind of have to hit that rock bottom of like, oh my God, is this going to work out? And that's really your motivation to build yourself back up again. Yeah. You know, and then you kind of persevere to do better things and grow and grow and meet new people and meet new contacts. And, you know, gradually for me, my clients went from working from everyday people to the type of clients that I'm working with now. And in the space of time, I think in respect to like six years, I think when I look back on that, when I'm talking to someone like yourself, it's like, okay, I've achieved it, you know. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe I've achieved it, but it seems to be working out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is so amazing. It's so it's so fantastic. Do you think, now you are sober. Mm-hmm. How long have you been sober? And do you think that that helps you with the discipline? Does it, does it, is, has that been something that's helped you become very disciplined with your career? Totally. I mean, for me, I've been sober for four and a half years. Um, I want to say that maybe the best way to describe it was I was a bit of a lush <laughs> when I used to go out socially over here in Ireland there was nothing like it like you move to a country where there's an ev- events every night a city every night you could go out and that's what you have to do when you first move here you have to do that you have to meet people but you go to these events and every every bar is an open bar you know you don't pay for anything and that was very tough for me because I had come from a place where drinks were so expensive and like I had been drinking since I was 14. It's just, that's what you do when you're in Ireland. You know, there's only a couple of things well, to do. That's true, you, actually. You, you drink alcohol. You're about you sober eat. Irishman, do you? <laughs> <laughs> and for me, it was just very tough to, um, to navigate that when I first came over. And someone turned around to me one night, um, uh, another hairstylist friend of mine, and he was, he used to take me out all the time and he was like, I'm taking you to these great events and you want to make every night that I bring you out into a party. And it's not about that. You need to showcase yourself as a reliable person to the people I'm introducing you to. And that really rang true for me. Like that's something that stuck with me. And I think it's for, for me being uh, sober is very important in the sense that like, for one, I wake up in the morning on time, you know, I, I'm not like dragging my feet. Oh my God, I don't want to go to work. You know, I'm not trying to battle a hangover. That was the biggest thing for me. But also just, it's very important, you know, how you showcase yourself, like going out, you never know who you're talking to. And I was never a messy drunk, but I was very much so the hyper life and soul of the party type of person. Like I wanted to be everyone's best friend. And sometimes, you know... <laughs> Uh, as you know, being Australian, like Americans are not very like that. You know, they're like very cordial, you know, let's, let's be very upfront with you. And, um, yeah, there's a level of, I think I feel, you know, I know you and I, we can go deep quick, mm-hmm. but, um, I do feel Americans, you know, they are deep people and I have some really mm-hmm. deep American friends who I'm like, but wow, that blows first, my mind. But yeah, yeah initially when you first meet it's, people. it's sort of like, hi, yeah. it's, there's a, it's polite. There's a yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And they're very, they're not as quick to let people in. Yeah. And with me, it was like, Jesus, after a few drinks, I was everyone's best friend. So <laughs> I don't blame people for backing off. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> who is this weirdo? <laughs> You're very loud. Yeah. Hmm. There's a, there's a thought. I feel like when I get drunk, I get very loud. Yes, me too. And um, I've noticed a few people flinching. Maybe I'm going to be sober. <laughs> I recommend it. Do a month. Do a month. See the do difference. A month. Well, actually, yeah, I don't drink an awful lot. And it is, um, it's like quite, it is nice that waking up, not being overhung and 
Yeah, just kind of having some clarity. Now, if you ask me, do I miss red wine? I have to say, like, uh, just after spending the holidays in Ireland, oh, my God. Like, that. there's definitely the aspect of being social, you know, it brings yeah. out a different part, a different side of you. Do you drink, I mean, when you go home and you're away from work situations, do you have a class or I two? I don't or? because I feel like I'm after coming so far and I'm a very restricted person. Like, um, I... Uh, have been vegetarian for 22 years and I've been I've always been so strict and restrictive with myself so when I kind of sign up to do something I don't take it lightly and it's like no you know and the longer time goes it's like no I'm doing this like I remember I did uh, a juicer smoothie diet and I was going to do it for like a week a few years ago and I kept it going for a month and I was like, I'm not giving up until I see results. <laughs> and then after a month, I was like, actually, you know what? This is not healthy. <laughs> this is not what this diet's meant to be. Yeah, right. It is actually only just meant to yeah, be. Yeah, a bit. detox for five days. Yeah. <laughs> not a month. <laughs> <laughs> Take it to the extreme. I mean, when you, when, when you said you were at school and you had no guidance and you had no idea, like what you wanted to do were you not disciplined then and then did the discipline come once you found your passion I think um gosh the school system probably like all over the world quite honestly it's like when I was in school personally it was going in not to say that I didn't go to good schools because they were definitely really good but it was uh I feel like the teachers their motivation was like let's teach them the curriculum and just sign them up to a college course our university is this over here. We say college in Ireland. Um, oh, and... I say college here. It's university in Australia and in England. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. You say college in Ireland. Yeah, we say college, but I know it's community yeah. college over here and then they go to university. Is that no, right? College oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, my well, God. Well, but then they have the UCBs, and they, which is like the University of Southern California, but uh-huh. they still say college. Okay. Well, I just feel, uh, I feel like the teachers just wanted to, you know, get us signed up to any course and that was it, you know what I mean? And their job was done. And for me, I was always a creative from a, a child. I was like, I loved drawing. I loved art. Looking back on my school years, like I want, I was from the time, like maybe I was 15, 16, I didn't really, I didn't do my homework. I'm going to put my hand up and say, like, I was not a good student when it was like, uh, when it came to studying, I never read any of the curriculum. I would usually just go to the back pages and the, get the synopsis and any book report I would have to do, all that kind of stuff. So the motivation wasn't there on an intellectual level, mm-hmm. but on a creative level. I love doing art classes, anything creative. Like we we had wood shop, we had metal work, we had a lot of different things like that in my school. And mm-hmm. that's where I kind of felt like, okay, I know I want to do something creative, but I didn't know that I wanted to do hair or that I wanted to do makeup. It was It's not really something that, you know, they suggest in schools and probably not something that they would suggest to mm-hmm. a young a young man or no, a boy. No, no, no. And like my aunt was a hairstylist and my other aunt was a beautician when I was growing up, an esthetician. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. Um and then I saw the show on TV. Um, it was called The Salon. It was on Channel 4 in the UK. And it was a reality TV show. And it was on every single day. And the stylists would do their client. But in front of the mirror was like a see-through mirror for the camera. So oh. they were being recorded the whole time. And it kind of showcased how it is to be a hairstylist. And that you're a therapist. You're talking to your client about everything. But also you're being creative. Yeah. And that aspect to me really was like, it was so interesting. And at the time, they were doing hair extensions on the show. And I thought, hair extensions? Wow, how 
how do you do this? So when I was dating that guy and we moved up to Dublin, um, which is three hours away from Quark, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll do hair extensions. You know, he's being a hairstylist. I'll learn how to do hair extensions. So I found the only salon at the time in Dublin that uh, used to do hair extensions. And I made sure to get my job there and to work under a stylist and to uh, learn the craft of how to do them. And wow. that was that was my start. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's amazing. So you were you were very much interning, like very much going. You went into a salon and then you went in as a, an assistant to somebody. You go in. So how it works in Ireland is very different from over here. Over here, you have to go to beauty school. In Ireland, you do what is considered an old school bartership where you work underneath a stylist mm-hmm. and they teach you your craft. Now, when I was learning how to be a hairstylist, I worked in four different salons. Um, and in, I, I, I always liked moving around because I knew I knew my skill set that I wanted to focus on the whole time. But, you know, some people will have uh, Tony and Guy training. Some people will have Vidal Sassoon training. Some people will have Peter Mark training. Peter Mark is like um, a big uh, kind of like an Irish known salon franchise. And moving around, you learn a bit bits and pieces from everyone. And then what I decided to do um, when I felt like I was, you know, I was almost qualified, I went, uh, which most people don't do. I paid to do a private uh, hairstyling school for six months and just to qualify Mm -hmm. um, because I knew I wanted to get all my certification Mm -hmm. because traveling was going to be the main thing for me eventually. Like just even if it was for, you know, trips away or just going to Australia for a couple of months or going, you know, to America maybe or somewhere in Europe. I knew I wanted to have those qualifications and you don't get them in Ireland, unfortunately, with just working in a salon. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Even today? Or Even the... today. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So you, you went to, that was England you went to to get that? Um, no, I oh. went, I started in I Ireland and I did the private school and they used um, a British training certification. And right. then I was able to actually go over to the UK a couple of years later and I did a colour master's over there for a year just because at that time I knew I was going to move to America. So right. I had to have all my ducks lined up. Yeah, <laughs> all the ducks in a row. I love that you got into hair extensions when it was sort of early on. Oh and my then God, when you yeah. were training colour, because one of the things that you do really well is crazy colours. And I mean, a lot of people are doing the rose gold and everything now, but uh-huh. I feel like you were doing it years ago. Yeah, I mean, I remember doing, I used to do the hair shows and stuff like that back in the day when I was very early on in my career. And that was a, the the biggest creative outlet in a place like Ireland or in the UK. Um, and yeah, everyone used to want to do like crazy stuff. And if you gave me the opportunity, if you wanted uh, peacock type hair, I would give you peacock hair. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that I, I enjoy that aspect. I think nowadays it's like I want to do like more... Like, as you say, the rose golds, I love doing stuff like that. But I love, for me, I'm definitely known for my blondes if I'm doing cuts and colors. Yeah, that's um, true. You do, do you do fantastic blondes? I'm, I'm all about the blonde and I love natural looking hair, you mm-hmm. know, natural looking hair color and then more structured cuts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did you move out of being in salons to taking on private clients? I think that was just a gradual progression. When you are dealing with people who don't have that much time, that much availability, like it's great if someone can give up their lunchtime and come in for a blow dry into the salon or, you know, that uh, they don't work a nine to five. But for people who are in that, you know, nine to five realm or they're um, 
executives or they're uh, in tech or they just have to be in an office. Sometimes these days are 12 hour days, you know, they want to go home at the end of the night and they, they'll pay for convenience. Mm -hmm. So I just saw a window there that that's what I was going to do. Um, and just work with other people's schedules mm -hmm. and actually it suits me better because I do like to sleep in the majority of the time in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so if I have to work until like I've had times where I'm doing people's color um, until four o'clock in the morning wow. and mm. or else doing their hair and makeup before they get on a flight to fly to New York to do press, you know, like that. That's what happens. Right. And um, it's interesting uh, how that works. Um, but I'm just so glad that there's there's a market there for that. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And it, well, particularly Los Angeles really is a big, you know, a big place for that kind of. Well, service. in this city, there's something for everyone. And mm -hmm. for the aesthetics industry, it's absolutely amazing. Like I, th I just see people's careers when I see them on Instagram, like I, an assistant of mine a couple of months ago that I brought onto a job. Now he's doing uh, tutorials all over the country, you know, makeup tutorials. And he's working with these huge musicians. And it's like you can L.A. gives people these opportunities that you really can't get anywhere else in the world if you do hair and makeup, in my opinion. So you would say get here if you want to do it, get here. But be real about how you, you know, how you're going to get here and how you're going to sustain yourself. A hundred percent. I think if I was to break it down, I would say come over here a few times feel it out you know get to know the land get to know your tribe um and then before like know that you want to be here because it is an investment it's an investment of time it's an investment of money great things can happen but like you're gonna hit that when you talk visas and all that kind of stuff it's stress you know you're gonna have a lot of stress in your life for a few years um for me it's taken six you know six years of being here and maybe eight years of visas to become a citizen, you know mm. what I mean? So I, it's a, you have to be in it for the long haul. But when you get here and like, honestly, I have to say, since I got that citizenship, I'm just like solely work and personal life focused. And I'm like, oh, I never knew I could be so relaxed. Oh, right. <laughs> because it was just always such Stress, a hanging yeah, over it's you. Like, uh, am I going to be allowed left into the country? You know, every time you leave, even if you're on a green card, you get stopped, you get interrogated. So it's mm. like, it's stress, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And you figure, you know, you're not, it's like, you're not a permanent, you can't mm -hmm. vote. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of things like mm -hmm. that, that, you know, are frustrating. Mm -hmm. So here you are, like you, you get to be a little discerning with your clients. How do you find the people who work for you? Is it all word of mouth or do people find you on your Instagram? Who I work with? Mm. Oh. Um, I would say it's kind of 50, 50, um, with social media, it's absolutely amazing. I feel like people can just go onto your social media, find you. Like I deal with all realms of people, like people from all walks of life. Um, you know, I had, I've had a couple of people already this year who've hit me up from my website. I've had people hit me up from, uh, Instagram predominantly. They slide into the DMs and they're like, are you available for this day? I love the way you do makeup. I'm so-and-so's friend, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Yeah. So Instagram is amazing, social media. And then honestly, like I would say word of, word of mouth in the sense of I, I always say I like to work with friends and friends of friends. Yes. Yeah. So no one too far outside of the circle. Um, because then at least you have a common link and there's common ground and you know that person is going to be a good person. Is that because it is such an intimate job? Like you're right, you're with someone, you know, you're touching their hair, which some people actually say hair is psychic. 
Have you heard that? No. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to read into that later. Where is your aerials? Maybe maybe it's just from With Noel and I, the movie. No, but actually there is also Mystic Medusa, a psychic in Sydney, sort of brought up the speculation of it, like was sort of there are there is a mm-hmm. school of thought. So mm-hmm. but you know, and regardless when you're touching someone's face and doing their makeup, you're right up in their face and it's Oh yeah, hundred percent. You're it's... almost becoming also a therapist, like you have hours sitting 100%. and chatting with someone. Yeah. I mean, I have seen people through everything i've seen people through divorces breakups you know births marriages like i've met people when they're single now they're married with kids you get to know all their family but you've never met them you know it's it's so interesting it's such a personal thing yeah Mm -hmm. and i always think it's like once you find a hair a good hairstylist like someone you bond with you're with them for life because it is like therapy you know you go and I often say, if someone sliced me open, everyone's secrets would fall out. <laughs> uh-huh. And you are very, um, I think you're very, I mean, one thing we haven't named names. I mean, people can go onto your Instagram and they can see the the people, I would say, like the celebrities that you work with. But you're not one to name drop or name names. You know, everyone is kind of equal in your eyes. Every client is. Yeah, every client of mine is equal. I think that's one thing. Every client is a celebrity. But I, <laughs> I, um, I'm someone who doesn't get starstruck, you know. Like, I, I don't watch a lot of TV. Mm. Um, I have Netflix probably like everyone else. But, like, my big thing is, like, I love YouTube. And I watch, there's a couple of YouTubers. I love people who vlog. So yeah. I watch that. And that's my outlet. And if I met those people, I'd be so starstruck. But I just see everyone as being equal. And I think that's very important. You know, a lot of times in this city, um, people in my industry start treating the people they're working with very differently and putting them on a pedestal. And I think that some people like that, you know, some people want to feel like they're a celebrity, but then other people, everyone just wants, from my opinion, the people Mm. I work with, it's like, they're just normal people, you know? And when you start treating people differently, you're actually, in my opinion, you start acting fake, you know? Mm. And I have to say, that's one thing, like, with anyone that I work with, we all have a great rapport together, you know? And it's we can have a laugh and a joke, and I feel like um, there isn't the, any of that, like, BS, you know, that uh, you you usually, the stereotype oh, LA like, experience. Darling, you, know? you look gorgeous, yes, look at you. 100%. Oh, you're, everything you say is right. Uh-huh. Yes, 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 darling. A yeah. spade is a spade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are some of the, um, you know, I guess biggest, not to say, not naming names, but have you got some sort of inspiration from people, the way that they lead their lives and have their careers and have their success? Like working with successful people, are you inspired by them? I think the biggest thing of working with successful people is just their motivation. And they don't give up on their dream or and the ambition that they have to grow. And also that you, you know, a lot of people who are in the acting realm, like uh, one of my clients is, uh, you know, branched off into directing and I've worked on a couple of um, their projects, doing makeup for them and stuff. And I just think seeing, seeing that person in another light, I'm like, wow, that's so inspiring to me, you know? Yeah, Like I right. really, I think it's, even for me, it's like, I thought earlier this year, oh, you know what? I'd love to try photography. 
So I decided, you know, that motivated me to try something different, you know? So it's different things. And oh, it's... how important is it when you have a dream to be flexible with it? I mean, like you went into hair mm-hmm. and then through that you've gone into makeup. 100%, and yeah. You do take amazing photos and you've been doing stuff like you've worked, you work with the um, blogger Where's Kelly and you uh-huh. do her makeup and also you've done some photo shoots for her that look mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. How, yeah, I mean, is it? Yeah, I think, how important uh, is it to be I able think to as a, a creative, you kind of, you start off doing one thing. And when I started off doing hair extensions, for instance, I never thought that I would be doing photo shoots and campaigns and makeup. When I moved here, no one in Europe used to hire me to do makeup. And then it was the case of, I need to survive and make money. So if someone said, oh, can you do makeup? Of course I can do makeup. Mm-hmm. And yes, I was qualified to do makeup. Was I, Did I feel the strongest person? doing makeup I did not but then when someone books you uh you know to go do a commercial and they it's a week-long commercial by the end of the you know you start off and you're like oh god I'm very nervous maybe about this but by the end of it it's like you know how to do it you know it's it the biggest part of the hair and makeup industry I think is like I'm in the customer service industry if someone wants something specific it's about being able to do a consultation And then, honestly, it's just about knowing your skill set and then just being confident with it. So I think even with the photography now, it's like once I've gone and done the course and I've been lucky that some of my friends are amazing photographers and they've sat down and given me one-on-one tutorials and now I feel confident to do that because you're looking at it with a creative eye that I never thought that I had every day when I was, you know, looking at the monitor on a photo shoot. But now I know when I'm taking my own pictures that, oh, this is what I'm, you know, this is what I'm looking for myself, you know? Right. So it's Mm -hmm. a matter of if you don't know, you can go and find out. 100%. And so it's a matter of getting out there, Mm -hmm. putting yourself out Mm -hmm. there. And I think we're, we're very lucky that everything is so accessible, like with YouTube, anything online, you can educate yourself so much. I often meet like, as like the assistant I mentioned earlier, the guy who's doing tutorials all over the country now, he is self-taught makeup artist. And he was asking me, oh, what do, what do you think I need to work on? And I just said to him, like, the biggest thing for me with going to school for makeup, I felt like I learned the bare minimum. But the main thing that I learned from all the courses that I've done with hair and makeup is the hygiene aspect. I think it is so important to learn um, about contraindications and the hygiene aspect, because when someone's doing your hair, if someone's doing your makeup, you don't want their hands all, you know, it's like you want to make sure that everything's clean and sanitary. And that's the most important thing I think you learn from going to to college or oh, to do a makeup course. Yeah, yeah actually, that isn't. Yeah, of course you are. So, do, I mean, what creative. do you use? Are you always like washing your hands or are you always using? Oh, my God. I, my poor hands have been through the wars. <laughs> I mean, I want I'm pretty OCD. I am constantly washing my hands. I don't apply makeup like a lot of other people. Um, I, I never touch someone's face when I'm doing makeup. I it, There's always something between my hand and their face, usually a, a makeup sponge. Um, but I think, for, you know, you just always want to make sure that everything is clean and sanitary, the equipment. It's very important. Yeah. Yeah, that is actually something that you wouldn't really think about unless uh-huh. you're actually on the job or, like you said, had gone to uh-huh. like, training, formal training. Uh-huh. That's really cool. You know, now one thing I want to talk to you about, because you grew up, you grew up in a smaller town mm-hmm. and I think it's interesting because it's not like you're uncomfortable. I mean, you've met, you've talked about your boyfriend, you know, you've had boyfriends mm-hmm. and, and all that sort of stuff, but you don't 
go around sort of flying their flag saying that you're gay. But it was something that as a young man, it wasn't like it was a, it wasn't something that you had to fight against, but there were stereotypes that kind of put you in a box that made it a little bit uncomfortable for you when you were coming out. Yeah, I mean, for me, my whole life, I never have looked at being gay as something that I felt embarrassed or upset about, you know. I have always just been myself. And I think your sexuality is a very small part of who you are in general. You know, um, I am definitely someone who I, I, I don't think like I wear my sexuality in a sleeve. If other people want to fly the gay flag and live their life that way, I have no problem with that. Like, I'm just that's just me. You know mm. what I mean? It's like I think um, it's different for everyone. You know, I see people move to to West Hollywood when they, they, you know, they're from the Midwest and they move to West Hollywood and then they want to be like, I'm gay, gay, gay. And they come out. But I was outed to my family at age 14. So I think I came to terms with it on my own, on my own terms mm-hmm. from a very early age. Yeah, that's a really quite a young yeah, age it was, to be coming out. So we can thank my cousin if she's listening in Ireland. Um, she, I, I was a very introvert uh, kid, I want to say from the ages of maybe probably about eight until 15. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were on vacation one time and... Um, I just had to tell someone I, I had to. I So I just said to her one day, I was like, I just need to tell someone that I'm gay. And she was like, oh, my God. And, you know, the drama, the drama of being a teenager. Yeah. And lo and behold, I was like, please don't tell anyone. I just needed to tell someone. And uh, fast forward six months later, my mom called me. I'll always remember this day. My mom called me into her room and it was New Year's Eve. And she said, um, People have been talking and saying these things. And I was like, in my own mind, what? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she said that people have been saying to her, I'm making, um, uh, hinting to her that I was telling people that I was gay, which was, to be fair, it wasn't the truth. It was, uh, I had, I told my cousin who Mm. had, you know how it is in families, everything is a bit of a drama. Yeah. And she I unfortunately at the time my parents just weren't able to comprehend what it was for, uh, to be gay you know they thought that it was something that I had decided to be and for you know I'm lucky I'm lucky that I was born a very headstrong person and I knew from that get-go I was like why would I have chosen to be different you know why would I have wanted to make life harder for myself um so coming from a very Catholic family as well, it was just a tough time, you know, kind of feeling a tiny bit ostracized and being like, I couldn't feel like I was 100% uh, accepted. Mm. And then I went from being um, like uh, a very good kid to someone, uh, to a kid that kind of acted out. And it was just to kind of say, hello, I'm here, you know, show me love, give me attention. Yeah. Um, And I think growing up in Ireland... Like, this is going back, um, I can't believe I'm going to say this on radio, but I'm 33. (laughs) And uh, going back, like, you know, 20 years, like, Ireland only legalized homosexuality in 1994. Wow. Yeah. It was illegal before. It was illegal before. And I've, you know, I remember working with co-workers of mine who were older gay men, maybe 10, 15, 20 years older, 
and they they lived very different lives. So even the life that I lived and I felt kind of ostracized and, you know, didn't feel like acceptance within Ireland at that age. I can only imagine what it must have been like for them, you mm, know. Yeah. But I have to say, you know, life. Uh, it going through something like that it it changes you as a person and I, f- I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything else like I feel I'm so lucky in respect that my cousin did out me because mm. I came to terms with that very early on and I think other people aren't as lucky as I am you know yeah and yeah I wasn't accepted by my family but you know I've had amazing moments of acceptance as an adult yeah and it's been cool wow uh-huh Wow, that's really awesome. And I've been especially now. I know now living in, I mean, Los Angeles, it's a very open, like, oh my God. Girl, I moved over here and I was like, I remember going into Target and someone hit on me when I was in line at Target 10 years ago. And I I turned to my friend and I said, What is wrong with that person? Why do they keep on talking? What a weirdo. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, because no one had ever flirted with me my whole life, you know? Wow. And, um, uh, my friend turned around and go, Oh, they're flirting with you. And I was like, Oh my God. And then instantly it switched over to, Oh my God, is that my future husband? (laughs) (laughs) But it didn't last long. I had already left the store. The person had walked away. And you've forgotten about Uh, them. A distant me- memory. Distant memory. I mean, what would you say to someone who is feeling isolated wherever they are in the world and feeling like they they can't, they're not being accepted for who they are? Because that's as much as, I mean, it's it's like, it's. I think for you, it's not like I'm gay, it's I'm Aaron Barry and yeah, who I, I mean, am is so many things. But what would you say to someone who is feeling isolated I mean, and alone me, moved to Los Angeles? When When you put it that way, for me, when I look back at my life, when people ask me, oh, what did you move here for? Now, I could have, I would have been happy living or working in a hair salon moving here, quite honestly. But having the experiences of coming over here, I got off the plane and I felt, oh my God, this is where I want to be. And through the times that I spent over here, I felt accepted. Mm -hmm. And I think people always say to me, how did you move to Los Angeles? I got in a plane. You know, it was, it sounds so easy, but I think if you feel, um, uncomfortable or someone is making you feel uncomfortable because of who you are mm-hmm. as a person. I think the best option, maybe it's not the most feasible option, but to remove yourself from that situation because everyone in this life is entitled to happiness. And I think that is the, that is the most important thing. You know, I have to say, I wake up uh, every day here and I go, Oh, I'm happy. And I remember a couple of years ago, um, maybe about four years ago, there was uh, a morning when I woke up and I said, oh, my God, I just feel so happy. And then I thought to myself, I, I, I've been feeling this way for a while now. And then I thought back to my life in Ireland and I didn't feel that sense of happiness. Yeah. And it made me think, God, I was actually depressed for a very long time and I didn't know it. It and was I, just the normal. It and just it was just normal. I was lucky. I had my, my working career, which was like my baby. And as I say, I wanted to buy a house and adopt a child. And that was very feasible for me at the time. Like seven years ago, that was the plan. That's mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. But if I didn't move, I don't think that I would have had a great shot of meeting someone or having having a life, yeah. a comfortable life as a gay man 
who is entitled to have a partner, you know? Does yes, that make right. sense? And get married. And get and married live and that, live that life. And behind but a picket fence. And I don't like that. think I'll have a picket fence here in Los Angeles with the... <laughs> The retail or the, the real estate, prices. yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. But um, you know, I can. I think the dream is more of uh, a real, more realistic. Yeah. If I'm being honest over here, and I think um, anyone that feels isolated for being gay, just you know, just go on go on weekend trips if it, if it makes you feel better. Go to a big city, you know, meet meet people. Find I, yeah, find your tribe. Find your tribe. That's the yeah. thing. I mean, I remember once well when I moved to Sydney. I remember being told by someone in my family, well, you're just going to take you with you. You can't run away from you. And I was like, I'm not running away from me. But I just mm-hmm. never felt settled in mm-hmm. Perth. I felt that I the things I wanted to do, there wasn't the sort of opportunities that I needed in Perth. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Sydney and again I thought, well, I think there's more opportunities in Los Angeles. And when I got to Los Angeles, I was like, yes, this is where my opportunities are. This is where your opportunities are. And, and it might not necessarily be the opportunities that everyone is chasing, mm-hmm. but you certainly can get on a plane. You can certainly go and find your tribe. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you're running away from you, but sometimes you have to go to find where you feel settled and where your heart feels good. And so... A hundred percent. Like, as I say, like, I got off the plane the first time I was here and I always felt like, oh my God, it's like walking into a movie. Yeah. And then from the interactions and experiences I had for people... I felt settled. Yeah. You know, I felt a very different sense of who I was over here. Yeah. Wow. And I think, I think that's very important. Like for, I think everyone should be able to tap into that at least once in their life. Yeah. You know, giving themselves, I love that you said you've all, you're, we were all entitled to be happy. And I really love that. And it's so true. Of course, life throws up, you know, challenges along the way and living away from your family. I mean, you were very close to your family, even though they weren't quite sure, you know, how to handle a gay son, but you still were close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a recent big challenge um, that you, you know, you you lost your mum. It, 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 just to finish off what we were saying, I have the most amazing family. Like yes. my family has been so every single person, my extended family, they are so supportive. And I just spent Christmas with everyone. And I can honestly say I am blessed when it comes to family. Yes. Yeah. Now, at the time with not being accepted, not feeling accepted, it was down to naivety, really, on yeah. my parents' part. They had, they never, they had never met a gay person in yeah. their in their lives. And there wasn't anything really on Irish TV or Irish media that was relatable for them. Mm-hmm. And as time went on, they actually realized, oh my God, you know, he's saying he's gay, but he's not this awful stereotype that the Catholic church has projected on us from youth about gay people. Yeah. You know, he's our son and we love him. And, uh, you know, the heart uh, with, with the situation of going through hardships since I lived over here um, with family, it's just been, unfortunately, when you live so far away from home, you, you're you living your best life, but life is going on for everyone else, you know, where they're at. And even though I FaceTime with my family on a regular basis, I'm on group chats, WhatsApps, you know, uh, social media is great. Um, you do miss out on core things. Mm. Um, and when I moved over here, the first year I was here, my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer. 
and I found out after I had probably the first big job that I had. One of my clients had taken to, had taken me to New York because she was doing press for her new TV show. And I went back to my hotel afterwards and I was FaceTiming, you know, as you do to check in and say, oh, I've had a great day to check in with my family. And I FaceTimed my dad and my dad, not knowing how to use an iPhone, just answered and he had the camera or the phone faced upwards. And I said, are you in the hospital? And he said, no, I'm he was like, no, no, I'm not in the hospital. Listen, I'll give you a call back later. And 20 minutes later, my mom called me to say, I'm in the hospital and I've had to have an emergency mastectomy. Oh, my God. And two days previous, she had been diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. Oh, my goodness. And when that happened, you're so far away. There's nothing I could do but cry, you know. Yeah. And it was I, I said to her, you know, do you want me to come home? And she was like, no, I'm fine. Um, and I made plans. This this happened in May. I made plans and I came home at Christmas time and I spent time with her at Christmas. And then I think the next time I came home, I think the next time I came home was when she she had called me and we FaceTimed every day. And she called me to say, Aaron, I don't have long left and I need you to pack your suit if you have a suit and hop on a plane. And I got back and I was lucky to have 24 hours with her. Oh, wow. And it was just the hardest thing, I think, uh, on this journey of moving to the States. Oh, I don't Uh, want to get emotional. I know I'm crying. (laughs) It's, yeah. It's... It's something you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. Mm. But I think if I was to give anyone advice who is who is moving. It's to take those moments and. Just go back and be with your family, you know, for me, I was like, I'm not coming back only once a year. But if you have the funds, go back and check in. And you know what? It's good. It's good for your heart. It's good for yourself. It's good to check in with the people who have always been there for you. Yeah, You know, and just and it grounds you to be back like at Christmas time. As I said, I went back to Ireland and I feel coming back to L.A. I'm like, oh, I miss them all so much. But it's a completely different part of, you know, just being around now Ireland. I have to say no offense to anyone living in Ireland. But for me, it's just not for me. But the people in Ireland, oh, my God, they are my heart, you know? Yeah. That's your that's your home, your like ancestry, mm-hmm. your home tribe and connection, and then you make this new tribe and life, and it's it's a wonderful thing about this global life that we can oh, just hopping on a plane, girl. That's that's what we're that's the hashtag for day, uh, today. Hopping on a plane. Hopping on a plane. <laughs> hashtag hopping on a plane. And if you would love to follow Aaron Barry, you can on his Instagram at ab hair makeup. And then Aaron Bar- it's Aaron Barry Hair and Makeup on it was your it was your uh, website. Aaron, Aaron Barry Hair Makeup dot com. Hair Makeup dot com. I can't talk. I'm getting really excited. I'm leaning over because I think before we wrap, we're going to start the process of this CBD coffee that you now, brought us as I a have, treat. I have to give you the backstory. So yes. I have a professional Instagram, but I also have a personal Instagram which I'm sorry, I'm not giving out. <laughs> you have to follow AB <laughs> because hair makeup people... for a while first. <laughs> and then you have to win Aaron over. Win me over. Um, but my, uh, I feel like if people saw 
my um, personal Instagram, they think, Jesus, he loves taking pictures of himself. <laughs> and I do and this thing where I, I review things on my Instagram story. And basically how, uh, how it started was um, I would just drive around and just times before jobs, I would, you know, you get a coffee, you get a Starbucks, whatever, you're sitting in your car if you're turning up early. And I would just be in my car and then it just started that I would be talking on my Instagram story. Hey guys, just checking in. It's Wednesday um, here in sunny Los Angeles. And I've just start, I stopped off at Starbucks, so on and so forth. And I'm going to try this out. And then my it started off as a joke. And then all of my friends, my 154 friends on my private Instagram, they um, would say it made them really happy when I did it and it cheered them up. So I thought today that I would do one to commemorate me being on Melly Camp's Beautiful Hollywood, Woo! that we would do a review, and I can do it live on my Instagram as well. Oh, okay, this is great. But I feel like, and this is almost a little crossover. You bring in a little bit of your personal life into your public profile here, Aaron Barry. Crossover. Crossover. <laughs> so what is this so that we're this drinking? this is an iced almond um, latte with mm-hmm. CBD from um, Alfred's Coffee in Studio City. Mm. So um, a dear client, a friend of mine, um, Alexandra Park, I can name drop for this one because oh. she asked me yes. to review the CBD coffee. Oh, did she really? She did. Hello, Alexandra. So, here we go. We're going to go live on Instagram, Mel. Live on Instagram and live on LA Talk Radio. Beautiful we are Hollywood. Here we go. Trying this beautiful CBD-infused latte. So, guys, we're doing... The CBD latte from Alfred's mm. with almond milk. Going to have a taste. It's really nice. Actually, the CBD is not very overpowering at all. I quite like the taste of mm. CBD, but it's really not. It's just like a really a delicious, hint. Yeah. Hint, delicious coffee. I'm a big fan of CBD. I actually can't get stoned. It really doesn't work with my psychology. Um, <laughs> well, you can't get stoned from CBD. Well, no, but that's I, this is why I like. Benefits. No, this is what I'm saying. I'm so a big good. fan of CBD actually because it it is something I can do. Oh, look, oh. your Instagram is playing back. Well, I think we <laughs> need to go and drink these. If you would like to follow Aaron Barry on Instagram, you can at AB Hair and Makeup. Follow Beautiful Hollywood at Beautiful Hollywood. And be inspired. And what was our hashtag for today? Get on a plane. Get on a plane. (laughs) You can do it. And we love you. And we would want you here. Beautiful. Beautiful Hollywood. Beautiful.